This is Shaka Ward Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaka Ward Speak. Um, we're doing a 30 below. We've had, uh, you know, some longer episodes lately, but we wanted to throw one of these back in the mix for y'all. So, you know, as always, it's I'm a here. 30, it's a 30, it's an ambiguous 30 is what we call it. <laughs> it is an, it's, it's really becoming ambiguous 30. I think the Which last means it one, could be 50. The last one was almost 40 minutes long. Yeah. So, fail. Um, we fail. We're, you know, small, we're little, small nuggets, you yeah. know, um, what we call nuggets. I'm just saying like, if you, if, if you grew up in a place where you went to steakhouses where you got like a 72 ounce steak all the time, you know, the 16 ounce steak is still a small steak. Correct. In comparison. So. You know, thirty to forty minutes below, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're as, um, we're as variable as the weather itself. We don't yes. we don't know for sure. We're bad weathermen. But as always, we're really happy to have you, and we're happy to be a part of this conversation with you. Um, and and as always, I'm here with my fantastic co-host Ryan. Um, Thank you, Gareth. You never give me nicknames, man. I'm, I've been waiting. I I don't know. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've called you Doctor Snacksmail. <laughs> You have, uh, and somebody actually uh, said that to me when they saw me the other day. They asked, "Hey, what's up, snack smell?" Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> yeah, dude, that's so good. It was, and I was like, I don't remember who it was, um, but I just laughed. I was I, like, that's, that's hilarious, brilliant. Because there's only one place you get that from. Yep, like literally nowhere, nowhere else, else besides this room where we record. Hundred percent. And that person's comment: Have I heard snack smell? So, it's all good. <laughs> I'm happy to have it. Uh, the power of words. The power of words, indeed. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got a question for today, and it's a question that I think has some timely aspects to it. But it's this was sent in to us. Yeah, so we've got um, a really shout good out way. Cody. Shout out Cody. Cody sent this question in. Yeah, Cody, you know who you are. Yeah, you know. And so he sent us a bunch of questions in, but this is one that I thought we could actually get into uh, in thirty to forty minutes, roughly. Roughly. Um, and so what he was asking is he was asking within, um, what we do as artists and makers, we're always kind of doing collaboration on some level, uh, at different times within our, uh, our careers. Um, and he was asking, are there certain areas outside of the arts that we think are ripe for collaboration, especially if there are areas that are not yet kind of being explored collaboratively? Mm-hmm. Can I say um, one thing really quick before you totally, go? Because I think this totally. is Garrett's going to have some great content for us. So here's what I want to say about collaboration. We sometimes in certain circles reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And negate the collaboration that was already happening because it doesn't fit into our aesthetic or conceptual framework. And so I just want to I want to acknowledge that. And here's why. Collaboration as a signifier, um, like a value symbol or a value mm-hmm. statement is problematic because it, you know, it, it may just render, it may be like a, um, disingenuous to how, how folks are collaborating, um, already, but also it may mean that you're not really collaborating mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> in what you're calling collaboration. So I just want to say that. And here, here's the the other condition I just want to lay out is like a thought. These are just my thoughts because you know how I feel about this. Um, I just shared it off air with Gareth. So um, <laughs> collaboration also has to have the assumption that these are two areas that typically do not ordinarily work together, correspond together, have interaction together but have found in their respective distinctnesses something to collaborate on. And so I guess I just have to say my two cents on that because other, otherwise it's just like artists that are collaborating and you're like, 
you're just kind of calling it that, but that's just yeah. what we've always done. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. The, uh, the, the the thing about collaboration is like you can't just say, oh, we work together, therefore we're collaborating, right? I mean, yeah. It's, you know, ju- you, yeah, you, it's got to be more than jargon. Yeah, and it's very easy to get that way. And what you're saying completely lines up with uh, a lot of theory within the space of collaboration, especially when we talk about um, collaboration with business. So a lot of the courses I, I deal with uh, help art students navigate a world that is predominantly kind of business and economic mm-hmm. based. Um, so it's giving them kind of the, the tools and the vocabulary and the understanding of those processes so that when they go into something, whether it's with a, a gallery or a client or whatever else, they've, they've got kind of the ammunition to be a part of that conversation. And so that's, that's kind of the, where I'm coming from. Now, uh, within that, uh, we talk about the arts as an agent within economics, um, and not just in the sense of like buy, sell, because that's a very small minded kind of way to think about the economics that we're involved in, but also in, in terms of like how the arts do help and aid this whole thing we've talked about over and over again about the pervasiveness of arts. Like we really lay that out there within an entire kind of social and cultural structure. So, um, within that, one thing that we begin a semester off kind of talking about is what it looks like for our, uh, our economy to evolve or progress or whatever else. And so we all know a few hundred years ago, we were all just kind of on farms. We were cutting down trees. We were making our own food, all this sort of stuff. And then we got factories and the economy changed. Then we started to provide services to people and the economy changed. Well, then um, with those services, we, we desired to have experiences. So you end up not just having a restaurant, but like a themed restaurant. Right. And uh, not just a, a movie theater, but you were able to go and get a meal at that movie theater. Right. So basic, basic examples. With that, you then had a change where people wanted those experiences to be transformational. They wanted them, their experiences to be something that made them feel like they were coming out a different person or their lives were being affected in a way. We see this when we buy products that have certain um, I guess sort of social connotations, right? It's a green product. It's helpful mm. when we give money to a certain, you know, uh, nonprofit or charity or something like that, we receive some kind of transformation. Well, within that space, one of the things that's most important is to understand, is understand that the transformation has largely been built upon the back of the arts. So, Within the theory of transformative economics, you have this understanding that business needs the arts in a collaborative space because of something that's been defined as the almost innate authenticity of the arts. So we have something that no other kind of group or industry or whatever else has. And because of that, they desire collaboration. And that's something that doesn't exist between collaboration of like, I don't know, business and health, Mm -hmm. but it's only between the arts and whoever else. Mm -hmm. And it's something to do with the, the, um, you know, that's where I, I mean, I like how you're laying it out. I mean, I can hear all the ways people might kind of flinch because of their, the, the assumptions that come up with how clearly you stated that, but I don't know that. I mean, so that's really interesting to think about, you know, because people get, people can hear power dynamics People can hear you're using, you're exploiting. There, these things kind of emerge, but um, 
artists have been exploiting the wealthy for a long. You know, I mean, I there's I, exploitation. Yeah, artists. that's that's a but that's a temptation right. that anybody can succumb to at any time. So so it's it's that's a more fundamental to human wiring or something. We can we can succumb to uh, power and money, and uh, that's a time time honored thing. But the um, I guess I like the categories you're laying out because I I just want to sort of frame it up and say. You always talk about artist commodity or artist uh, utility or the pragmatics of it, mm-hmm. and then and then nestled in there is the sort of the um, just like the vertical category that our art is art for art's sake is a way of trying to say um, uh, it doesn't have to find its justification in the other two categories. Right. That it's it's uh, we live in such a world that's justified uh, in and of itself the way that like trees don't have to be justified for, from utility or flowers. Like, like there's the world is imbued with a kind of enriching reality that um, can supersede those things. It's just, just is you look at the sky and you're, you're blown away. And so, you know, because it is beautiful or whatever you want to compelling resonant or whatever. And so the same is true of the arts. And I, so I guess I think that's really interesting because um, there's, it really is a distinct category in that sense. Yeah, so, it, it is. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, there's literally nothing else. So when, when you look at kind of economic evolution, um, in, in these sort of, uh, discrete periods or, or modes, um, when you look at it, like they're across the board, right? Mm-hmm. So if we talk about like agrarian that like deals with everybody, if we talk about industrial, it deals with everybody. If we talk about, you know, experience, it deals with everybody, but the transformative part of economics, which is kind of the, the, the top layer on the cake of economics right now. Uh, when we look at that, that has a central player, and that is the arts. That is creative space. Hmm. Um, so it is it is unique within this kind of evolution of economics in the Western world. But what's funny is exactly what you're saying, Ryan. After all of this is kind of defined, there also becomes a short list of you know two to three things that have to be there in order for there to actually be collaboration. And the first one is both parties come on the same level playing field. So if you got somebody who's in business and they say, oh, make this thing, that's not collaboration. That's commission. Or, that's commission. Yeah. And if you've got an artist who says, this is exactly what I'm going to do without your input, that's just creation. Yep. It's not collaboration. Yep. And so, you know, within some of the kind of uh, seminal documents uh, in this understanding, they say the arts are the only truly authentic thing within all of this economic realm. And in order to have collaboration, they have to be approached as equals. And I think that's huge. Yeah. I think it's really, really big, which has a lot to say about like what you were just mentioning, right? That it's not, it's not an exploitation. It's not a, a use. It's just, uh, it's got to be an actual complementary relationship yeah. Yeah, where yeah, they yeah. work together and arts do the things that other people can't or other parts of the industry or economics or whatever can't yep. because we are unique yep. in, a, in a very specific yeah. way. And to say unique is, so the problem with that is when you appeal to uniqueness, or I don't, the problem in the way folks can hear these things is like when you appeal to uniqueness, um, they hear, so if I could put it in horizontal and vertical categories. So horizontal would sort of be able to say like unilaterally, like it's, it's, there's a kind of a uh, perceived equality. It's a it's a uh, a flattening of difference, and it, it, there's always this uh, elastic bound back or like kind of retract to 
the assurance of equality, as in um, appearance difference, but no fundamental difference. Yeah. And so it's an overprotection of that. So when you so what happens is if you say distinct or uh, unique, um, we hear that as a vertical statement that creates hierarchy. Yeah. So all of a sudden that goes to the top in your mind and you're like operating. If you're not in the vertical category, you're outside of it and you feel that you're being told you are inferior in some kind of way yeah. because we do not know how to wrestle with complementary difference. Mm-hmm. So we, we ebb and flow between this horizontal extreme or this vertical extreme. And if you're the artist, then you can be tempted into thinking, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm actually unique, therefore I'm superior, which is why I always say things like the arts are not ultimate, but they are pervasive, mm-hmm. which is to take it off the vertical rocket and to take it off a clear horizontal line mm-hmm. and say they pervade. So yeah. they're, they're, they're with, they're complementary to, they're influencing, they're influenceable. They're, they're part of a larger nuanced matrix of, of uh, expressed reality that we have a hand in. And so to say something is to distinct is to guard its uh, essential nature enough to recognize it in relationship to something else that is distinct. And, you know, then there are differing levels of distinction. Um, some things are more general general place theories, you know, so they have more adaptability and they look a lot closer to other facets of reality. Some things are so distinct, they're almost alien to us. And I mean, so you get into like certain high sciences or whatever, and you're like, I can't even understand. This feels like it's another, you know, from another world. I mean, you know, we understand this, but something when it comes to the arts, we get, we, we lose it in one sense or another. We're either outside the arts and threatened or we're inside the arts and we're guarded and we elevate. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it, it is a problematic thing. But uh, you know, going back to some ideas we've talked about before um, in earlier episodes, when we start to think on just that vertical kind of playing field, uh, that hierarchy of sorts, it it really is like that. Those are industrial ideas, mm-hmm. right? It's efficiency ideas. Yeah, it's production ideas. It's really kind of going back into an industrial mindset where what we are is producers only. That there isn't anything beyond the product that we have. Like it, it. It, there's there's so much of that hierarchy yeah. that's influenced by that idea of efficiency, which right. is a lot of times very counterintuitive to creative yeah. thought and creative practice, um, which we all know from experience. You know, having if you've had any time in a studio, you've felt the yeah. <laughs> the push and pull of like industrial versus creative. Yeah. Um, but again, it is you got to remember like uh, whether you're on the outside or inside, we have to remember that that first kind of uh, stipulation of of collaboration uh, across these boundaries in terms of um, these ideas we're talking about is uh, approaching that collaborative partner on an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you establish that? Like in your how do you how do you see that? You know, if you had to kind of give a, a general illustration. Well, so um, I think the one of the one of the ways that I see it is I, when I talk to students about, um, you know, if they're, if they're looking for client work as a designer, what does it look like to start that conversation? And I say the first thing you do is you don't ask them if they need work. Right? Because what that does is it sets up a power dynamic immediately. Right. So what you want to do is you want to be two equal partners with different skill sets yeah. approaching a problem. So you're talking about a proposition more. Yeah. So it's yeah. not if, – if, if I were to make a visual – you could have tug of war, right. right? Where one is pulling and somebody's always winning. Yeah. Or you could have like um, two people kind of like fighting something else. Yeah. 
yep. or the problem yep. or the, the unknown creative solution mm-hmm. is out there and you're working alongside somebody for that yep. instead of against each other for just this other small little trinket of yeah. power or control. So, how, so following that, how does vision work at times in relationship to that? Because you, you, so, you could solve a problem or a problem can, I guess, emerge you know, from a vision you have or so how do you, how do you see that play out in this conversation as a catalyst? Um, I think we'll to always understand that everybody can be a part of vision, but somebody may lead the beginning of that vision more mm-hmm. than the other. Like that's not a problem. Right. So, um, and oftentimes, um, because of the way that we have been kind of, uh, you know, trained and we've worked through the skills that we have and the things we've acquired, the situations we've been in as creative people in art and design, it's usually a little easier for us to start that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier for us to have that because we are used to going from concept to concrete, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from idea to thing. I don't know if this is getting at the question you're asking, mm-hmm. but um, you know, to understand that just because you start the vision doesn't mean that you own the vision. Okay. So within uh, you know creative spaces, um, one thing I always tell students as well is that when you are working with other people. Ownership of ideas does not need to be a starting point. Right. Because that's not how ideas work. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Because just like with the work you do, the creative output that anybody has as an artist or designer, your ideas are coming from somewhere that's not completely internal to you and outside of experiences that you've had. Mm -hmm. They're not these organic, weird, mystical orbs that are just shooting out of your body. What? It's weird, man. I know. Um, I got to rethink my life. Which is crazy because a lot of students, I say that, and you just hear this collective sigh of relief, and they're just like, oh my gosh, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I'm serious. I'm like, I knew it. (laughs) I'm like, yes, and it's okay. We got a safe space where you can feel free to not have to have that that repressive power over these ideas. Um, So instead, like, I share something with you, and you share something back, and it's a back and forth. It's a very collaborative thing. And at some point, you can probably point to, oh, this bit was mine and this bit was theirs. But we don't start off with that. Right. So we can't think of, oh, I have some vision, therefore I have an ownership of a thing that has not yet happened yet or come about yet. Uh, We have to delay that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Which can be troublesome and sometimes can feel like you're a little off the rails. But um, I think you got to let the vision grow before you start talking about my vision Mm -hmm. or your vision. Um, because the collective, the community based, the generative, like our vision, our collaboration, our work is much more important than the me, my, mine. Yeah. How, how important do you think listening is in this equation? Oh my gosh. I think it becomes twice, twice as much as it probably ever is in your, in your, in your job description. Um, you know, it's the whole thing about like, you got two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you speak, you know, that kind of general momism that we all yeah. maybe grew up with. Um, and I think it's very true there where, um, early on in a collaborative process, there should be a lot more kind of reflective thinking. There should be, uh, internal processing, um, instead of just kind of vomiting out all your ideas. Um, you know, cause the, the point, the point of collaborative work within creative spaces, uh, should be more important than I got heard. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. it's usually what it comes down to. And it, right. cause well, I hey, say that personally. Yeah. Here, that's really, I love that because that is, that statement is born out of a flattening horizontal line Yeah, where the bare minimum. So what, what I mean by that is you end up settling for your voice being heard. 
yeah. which is a far cry from what is necessary to collaborate for the accomplishing of a vision mm-hmm. and the problems that are solved in order for the vision to be executed and then have its impact in society. Mm-hmm. And so, um, granted, your voice being heard is important. When oh, yeah, we're talking definitely. about, we're talking about power dynamics and flattening people, but, but, um, let's not settle for merely having our voices heard. Let's under, so gosh, it's for another day, but let's not settle for, um, a world where we don't think there's any, um, any point or purpose and collaboration becomes a declaration of, um, an overcorrection to rampant individuality. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. So an overcorrection to eviscerated collectivism where we're still on that horizontal line and all we're showing is that we're equal. Like we're showing an equality that eviscerates the diversity of and beauty that is replete within human cultures. Right. Yeah. We think we're solving a problem, but we're, we're burying ourselves. And so when you're buried at some point, your voice being heard becomes important because that's the only thing you can do because you're buried. You can't get, (laughs) and at some point then your voice is not heard. Right. Cause now you've been, you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, um, so anyhow, I mean, I think what, what you're, uh, getting at really, okay. Okay. My, my last thought that you just provoked me is like, it really gets at the fact that I bet you a lot of artists, uh, have suffered under this assumption and therefore have denied themselves um, the ability to work with, work with ideas they've either had working outside of the arts with people outside of the arts or yeah. that those opportunities have come to them and they felt guilty because they felt like by working with this person, I'm cheapening the authenticity, yeah. I'm diluting it, and I'm violating my first premise, which is um, the arts are this supreme thing that I must work, you know, and I'm going to lose the approval of my peers. I'm going to lose, you know, uh, value and association with certain galleries, certain markets, certain, you know, economies that I've um, made peace with within the arts because um, to associate with these people who are, um, they're really about business. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that cheapens what I do. And it's like, I think we've missed how it can be transformational. Like yes. you said, you <laughs> yeah. know, and it can in a, in a huge way, right? Yeah. Because, um, what do we do? Let's just, let's just do a mind experiment here. Um, what happens if, if the arts become so insular, um, that we say we are only for ourselves and mm-hmm. we are complete and contained and we have nothing to do, then all we're doing is we are creating a world that is ugly, that is non-functional, that is not helpful, that is not, uh, generative, that is not productive because what we've done is we've taken something that everyone outside of the arts has understood about the arts. And we've said, nah, screw you mm-hmm. and kept it to ourselves. Yep. Now, uh, this also is a, a big part of this really comes down to the fact that um, there is uh, a belief or a lie that we have to found all of this on. And that is that each individual unit, industry sector, uh, way of learning is completely self-contained and adequate on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would propose that no, the actual, the, 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 the fullness of, uh, the world and humanity actually pushes us to not only, um, acknowledge, but be huge proponents of the fact that 
as different ways of study or work or whatever else, we actually need each other mm-hmm. in the same way that like you and I, as people in the same community need each other because right. of different things, the same way that the farmer needs the person who has all the trees to cut down, who needs the person that has the market to sell the things the same way we've understood economics forever. Mm-hmm. We have to assume that the arts can't do it by itself, that business can't do it by itself, that healthcare can't do it by itself. Um, you know, that all of these things need each other because we can bring things to the table that the other doesn't have and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfectly fine thing. How does, how does sacrifice play out in this discussion? Is it on the table or do you think, I mean, I think it is, Yeah, but it, but it also should be assumed that it's kind of like the salt and pepper shaker. Like it's always on the table, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not you use it. Mm -hmm. And so does this mean at some point you may have to step back and be like, I wanted this part, but it didn't happen? Yeah, mm-hmm. it probably will mean that. But that happens in every part of your life, right? We always have that sacrifice. Because um, I think, I, I feel like uh, sometimes what happens in collaboration, and I've experienced this in opportunities, is where I have to assess the collab, the proposed collaborator's reasonable understanding about what they think that I do or what I have to offer. Right. And I have to figure out what's a a benchmark that we can work from versus uh, what's a detriment in their understanding, which sounds elitist, but it, it, I don't mean it to be. It's, it's just to say that there are, well, it goes both ways. Yeah, too. and exactly. So yeah. then there's, there's the cost of like what level of ignorance do I have? And sometimes I think you can miss out on collaboration for some good that can be really galvanizing and important because the person doesn't speak the language you speak with yeah. regards to the thing. They see the intuitive value of it, but they can't communicate it along the linguistic lines that you're, um, you're esteeming and valuing and most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to be a good listener. Uh, there has to be good translation. Yeah. Can you translate terms and understanding and come to some reasonable point where you go, you know what? Uh, I think this person um, has their desires in the right spot. I feel comfortable with this. I'm excited about the prospects. And uh, I just wonder if a lot of times collaboration shut down for a lack of sacrificing a little bit of um, what makes us feel good and supported um, and safe or whatever. Um, And we're not charitable enough with the difference of the other person um, for what they don't communicate directly in those, those patterns of communication. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, cause you, I think you hear a lot in, uh, you know, collaborative spaces where, you know, you get to a point where somebody says, Oh, I am the artist therefore. And so then the other person says, Oh, I am the business owner therefore. Um, but absent from all of that is any sort of collective pronouns, right? There's no, we are working at this or, you know, we have a collective goal or we're moving into a place. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, You know, I think one thing in collaboration, the first thing that gets a little bit sacrificed is the I, me, my, mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And not that it goes away or it's eviscerated, but it understands its place within a relationship. And, you know, it's this, it's the same thing as any, any healthy relationship that any of us would identify Mm -hmm. with, you know, if we say, Hey, you know, within a, uh, you know, romantic or friend relationship, these things are there. Well, why wouldn't they be there within a collaborative relationship? Yeah. You know, they would have to be, yeah. right? Because if these are human relationships right, and we are not seeking to dehumanize people in them, then we will be using a lot of the same mechanisms of interpersonal relationships that we all know to be healthy. Yeah, it's funny you're talking about kid stuff. It's like uh, give and take is talk, and we talk to kids about sharing. Yeah. 
sharing is like a give and take. Yeah, and then we get to a certain point where we're just like, oh, well, you're an artist now. You can just screw sharing. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 it doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah, stop. Right. You know, the and you, you don't actually, you don't actually um, cultivate patrons and, and supporters and uh, allow the arts to be as pervasive as they can if you don't faithfully step into the places where it doesn't yeah. yet have its uh, full-bloomed value established. Mm-hmm. So you're, um, you're going out, you're pioneering out into the world looking for collaborators. Yeah. I mean, I think we... I guess I'm thinking a lot about the fact that, you know, we've allowed ourselves. The thing is we're artists and I'm guilty of this myself. Like we tend to, um, we'll settle for it to being taken advantage of by a curator, collector, um, patron. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with those power dynamics. We'll yeah. compromise. I mean, you see it historically, you see it right this second. Um, but when it comes to someone who is not wearing the wolf, the wolf in sheep's clothing, when yeah. they're not a wolf in sheep's clothing, they're just clearly different. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll miss an opportunity that could really, really um, uh, be transformational. Because what, cause what was the, que- the question again, coming back around full circle was? The question is like, what are areas where this collaboration can actually take place? Yeah. And, and it's I, kind of a long way to get to the answer. but Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah, that's what I would say. I would say anywhere because I think if we look at it, when we start to actually understand not just the importance but also the mechanism of collaboration, then we start to see that it's probably not happening in a lot of places. Yeah, that it could. There are places that are co-opting the arts, and there are places that the arts are co-opting, mm-hmm. but they're not collaborating. Right. Um, so there, there is a, a need to move into that space, but I think that there are places where it's, where it's you know kind of seen um, it's still a little too insular, a little too silo based in a lot yeah. of ways, but you know, there's a lot of collaboration within healthcare and we're seeing that now yeah. with everything from COVID-19, you have a lot of folks who are working to, you know, build rapidly, uh, produced machines that can help in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And also they're reaching out to, you know, designers and artists to make them something that, that works well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are engineers and <coughs> designers that are seeing that there's actually not a huge gulf of space between right. them as much as I thought. There's a yeah. there's a good overlap with mm-hmm. very specific um, interests and abilities on each side of the yeah. equation. So you know, healthcare is one of those. Business, like I mentioned, is mm-hmm. there because you know, business like from the get go, people are going to raise a little bit of an eyebrow and be like, "Oh, you're just trying to make a buck." Yeah. So they need authenticity because it's not something that's a part of business sure. practice as right. a general. And that's the rub, man. It's artists need a buck. Like I love the person who is like competitively pursuing grants, yeah. but as opposed to competition <laughs> yeah, and getting yeah. money or earning money through right. like, it's, it's strange. Like in the past, you know, you get, yeah, you just can be made to feel like you're a terrible person if you wanted to sell a work of art you oh, know, yeah. from the art community. And you're like, well, how else do you do it? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've, you know, I, I, I try to, in, in the work I do, I try to make sure that students when they graduate from VCU, um, that they can go out and actually work within a business context, right? And I mean, I could tell you some fun stories of things that people within my own field have said about what I do and the things, the terrible things they've said that I do mm-hmm. um, because the, of the exact same thing where they're just like, oh, that's the enemy. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not the enemy. Yeah, like, I've taken a huge hit in my life for being <laughs> being your close friend. Uh, I appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> so the sacrifice question was really just about... <laughs> well, first and foremost, you got to really look out for the people who are going to take a hit because you're trying to do this. <laughs> oh man, I'll uh, I'll make you a pie or something. Yeah, you've already done it. It's all, it's okay. You, you're a good cook, so I've had your barbecue. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, no, all joking aside, 
I mean, like you have to kind of have some thick skin and you got to yeah. be able to, um, I think the hardest thing that I've struggled with is the thick skin part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's an area that I'm looking to grow in, not by cultivating thick skin, but just by resting in where my, my value comes from and, yeah. and, 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 um, and being okay with people just thinking you're lame. Yeah. You know, which is an exercise. So I have to exercise that. I think even in like what, what we do mm-hmm. with Shaka Art Space in our podcast and is like a continual exercising of dislodging any fear of judgment. Yeah. You know, for seeming too positive or seeming too altruistic or, you know, not skeptical enough. It's like, listen, I've spent enough years of my life <laughs> skeptical in a corner. Also, you don't know the other areas of our lives that we're not completely skeptical. In. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's the thing is like, it's like, uh, when you're free, possibly like when you're freed up, possibilities show up that you just couldn't see before. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like the it's like the book project we did with the mm-hmm. coloring book that still needs some finishing touches and isn't on on the back burner. But you know, it's collaboration with all kinds of people that are outside the arts and yeah. uh, has all this potential. Um, we've talked about it. You know, like we did the builder documentary and there's mm-hmm. it's implied in there that there's associations and relationships that are deemed unlikely that really shouldn't be. And so I mean we've been kind of pushing at zones or aspects and I, I suspect we'll continue to yeah um i'd even say that we've acquired a nose for opportunity to work with folks that are open to um the arts mm-hmm. and in so doing we've had to practice being open to them yeah. and it is a practice that becomes more second nature and i think as that positively takes shape it's the thick skin comes because the value of I mean, anybody who's done anything that's worth its salt probably went through a lot of pushback. Oh, yeah. You know, that's so um, you're not seeking it, but you're not succumbing to it either. You, right. You know, unless you're tearing people down or something like that. Weird, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, so um, I think when you talk, your talk today to me help, helps me be less cynical about collaboration because I'm. I struggle with the jargon and buzzwords that you see float around oh, yeah. popular culture. And I've, I've seen people just say it and it's, it's like a insular collaboration that doesn't have any, um, obvious doesn't, and it doesn't have to, mm-hmm. it's just to say that when that becomes the dominant norm, that there's no obvious outcome, it, it, it just, it feels like a, a insular form of art making and collaboration is becomes more adorning as jargon yeah. than, um, an essential mechanism to bring two to to bring two points of uh, of difference together with a common understanding for an outcome. I guess. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, and also just remember, like uh, collaboration. Um, I think about to like college to like really legit parties I went to. Like there Gareth were a party lot, hard. <laughs> there were a lot of people there, and nobody was like standing at the door, like shutting it in people's face and be like, "We've got four people in here. You're good." No, it was like open door to the house. People are rolling up. They're just walking somewhere else like, hey, here's a party. And they're yeah. coming into it. Yeah. Right? And if we think the if we think the arts are as amazing as they actually are, then why wouldn't we have that front door open yeah. to that party? Yeah. You know, why wouldn't we be on the look for some sort of collaboration? Mm-hmm. You know, I also, I think about um, like how do you not just say, hey, come on in, let's do this without some sort of like, uh, you know, sober reality 
Yeah. Then, of know. your own time, mm-hmm. your own, I mean, there's cost. So that's the sacrifice piece. Yeah. You know, so there has to be some discernment. You can't just collaborate with every person off the street. Right. I think there's wise wisdom, which is a whole other discussion, but um, we could have. But you even look at like, you know, I think about like NBA basketball. All right. Because with, with these teams, like you'll, you'll watch games where people are getting in fist fights. Yeah. And then four months later, they're on the same all-star team assisting each other. Yeah. You know, and there's something really nice about that, that like within within your specific space, you are uh, scrapping and fighting for the space you have. Mm-hmm. But then when it's time to come together, you're doing the same thing yeah. with a few different teammates. And there's something really nice about that Yeah, um, that I'd love to see more of in the arts, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it not be something where it's like collaboration, i.e. I hired a bunch of artists to just do what I told them to. Yeah. You know, I want it to be. Wanted to yeah. be healthy relationships yep. with good collaboration and take, that shared. actually does produce maybe something a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cody, I don't know if that answered your question perfectly well, but I think the simple answer really is um, everywhere is rife for opportunity of collaboration because yep. I don't know it's being doing being done really well right now. Right. Um, and everybody needs the arts. Yeah. I mean, we so wouldn't I, be doing this otherwise. So I would that's where I would maybe close and say that because of your point, which I think is well stated everywhere is opportunity. The question then, and what, what is the point? So it's not opportunity for opportunity's sake. It's collaboration towards the ends of some vision. Yeah. You know, so, so when you're looking, there should become a hierarchy then because, uh, you can kind of propose a kind of pseudo collaboration with anyone Mm -hmm. and it can be, um, it can, it can, you can declare it as such and do something, but like the, um, the opportunities to really have an impact, should create a kind of self-awareness and selectivity yeah. and un, uh, reasonable self-understanding of what yes. your capacities and interests are and how there might be some common good benefit to two folks joining or two entities that joining together for a, a purposed outcome. Definitely. You know? Um, and so that's kind of freeing. It means that you don't have to say yes to everything. Nope. You know? Because I know plenty of times yeah. because you know what a good yeah. yes looks like. Yeah. Yeah. You start to start to figure it out. So. Yeah. Cool. So that's what we got for you this week. Thanks for joining in and uh, listening. As always, we love you guys. Fantastic. And we'll uh, catch you next week. Send us more questions. We love them. Yep, definitely. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.